Season two of Red Wings Rant, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, where tirades and passion please about your Detroit Red Wings. Fu- your Detroit Red Wings finally <laughs> have a home. I thought that's uh, what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, we have uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, the Red Wings uh, redeemed themselves in Game Two against the Florida Panthers, and Mike, we have the one. Six-year vet with the Detroit Red Wings, Ken Cal, joining us later in the show. Yeah, and, of course, we are going to reveal <laughs> our big winner for the hat and scarf giveaway. This is not, or no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm wearing the hat. Uh, the scarf and gloves giveaway. I'm wearing a winter hat. I'm confusing everything. This did not come with what I'm Wait, what we get a used hat? Boo! No, no, no. <laughs> This was Matt's hat. He purchased with his own money. It was separate. Gently soiled soiled hat. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Totally legit hat coming in. Matt, are we going to do some business? We got to rescue this. I think so. All right, let's do some business because you know what? It's March almost. It's like February. It's a month before. It's not quite time for the the madness. The macho madness. Yeah. Oh, that is college basketball in March, Matt. But that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's true. I looked up top apps. It was right there. Um, it's giving all new players the chance to cash $100. That's right. New customers. Old customers, you're out. We're looking for the new blood. Hmm. Yeah, spend that, spend that check right over here. Yeah. But you're going to double, triple your money. I can't wait. So new customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer. Any team. Even the Pistons hit three-pointers. I swear to God, they hit at least one. Bet in any basketball game this week, and your team makes you a lot of money, like 100. You can turn one into 100, man. It's a lot. So that's right. All it takes is for one single three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Matt, this slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has <laughs> daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Uh, Mike, I'd have to throw in there, too. I've been working with uh, college basketball uh, the Ooh. last couple of days. Because they gave me profit boosters, which feels pretty good on the wallet. Uh, Mike, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Mike, did you know that is the exact ad read that I was watching last night uh, while watching uh, the Red Wings game? They, They actually play out the same thing that we have. So we're like legit. Hey. It's, this is real, you guys. Yeah. This is a <laughs> real podcast. 
these two bugs are selling the same stuff that they, <laughs> they have pretty DraftKings ladies selling. Yeah. Um, I actually, and, and you know what? The other one too was um, uh, Tom Segura's podcast. So I, I was oh, like, really? uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I was so excited about that. I thought they'd give us a draft, you know, like or a, an ad read. And then, you know, then like, Tom Segura gets, you know, well, he has to get a real copy guy in here to read Tom <laughs> Segura's stuff. But yeah. yeah, he reads the exact same thing every week that we're reading. So, uh, just, you one. know, don't use don't use Tom Segura's code. Use THPN. That's how I got all the I, I unlocked all the free um, profit boosters because I use THPN. So yeah, if you guys know what you're doing in college basketball, because Mike, I didn't win anything, but if I had <laughs> one, it would have been huge. <laughs> The one thing we got to figure out is towards the end when all the like the special rules apply and they do that thing on the radio where it's pre-recorded and then they just turn up the speed from one to one point five and it's like must be twenty inches or New Jersey Indiana Major Gordon Major New customers only restricted supply where it's playing out four to twenty five dollars you have to get five dollars 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 can you tell that's what I'm trying to do, and then I kind of lose it? Is that what you're the, doing? By the eighth, no, it's, it it felt it like you. Like it felt like you slowed down to point seven five on that one. one Um. So yeah, Mike, we have uh, we actually have a pretty awesome episode. Speaking up, of but, fast, uh, yeah. Speaking of fast forwarding and slowing down, whoo! Uh, really wanted to fast forward through uh, that first uh, Florida shellacking. Oh my God! Uh, did they get I a did, touchdown? Uh, I, I did, uh, Mike. My favorite word. I did a modicum of Ooh. research, and uh, I think I discovered what what went wrong. And it's I, at first I started writing a little blurb, um, and uh, I, I'm I'm taking over uh, for Jesse for a little bit. And a quick plug: Jesse's going to go ahead and write <laughs> for us, uh, a, like a Michael Rasmussen what's going on kind of thing. Like here's, here's where he's at. Here's what we were supposed to get with Rasmussen. Can we get that? Is there oh, still no. that possibility? So uh, we're going to be coming is that up like with that one of those, uh, Is it like one of those pro wrestling, like Scotty too hottie? Where is he now? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, except we know, we know where he's at. We just need to know like. Well, like the Godfather, you know, now he's running a used car lot, you know, Rasmussen. Right. He's out there, you know, <laughs> running a taco hope- stand or something. He's gonna open up a brewery and he's gonna have a little Caesar. little Caesars uh, pop up shop right outside of <laughs> Little Caesars Arena. <laughs> you know that would be a pretty nice deal if like every player on their entry level deal with the Red Wings work that in. Like if things yeah. don't work out, I'd like a Little Caesars franchise, please. Um, if I if I don't get my if I don't get my shot, <laughs> uh, yeah, give me give me those five dollar hot and ready's to sell. Yeah. Um, so, okay, back back it up. Uh, so check out podcast.com uh, and uh, brothersadiscussion.com slash Red Wings Rant to see what, uh, what Jesse's Jesse's what Jesse's turning out. But uh, yeah, I'll be coming out with uh, the recap for uh, this Florida Panthers series. I just at first I said I said in my head this will be easy. Yeah, wrap it up that first game uh, equal you know Red Wings equal dog poop and and that should have been the article. But Mike, yeah. I feel like I figured it out. Okay. <laughs> we are technically out. we okay. are technically a low event team and that's how we won game number two uh game number one mike we there's too many had, events there too were many events. No, i swear there were 
if you take a look at uh, the high danger chances and you take a look at the expected goals for and goals against, not the percentages yeah. that you and I usually bring up, this is yeah. strictly the number of expected goals and strictly the number of expected goals against. That's where we can define the events. This was our second most expected goals against of the season. Makes sense. Also, fourth most expected goals for. So what happened was, one, Ooh. we were trying to catch up. But two, Jeff let go of the reins. He said, look, guys, we're getting our asses handed to us. Go for it. And the game just got worse and worse. And when we opened it up, Mike, yeah, we lost the turnover battle 10 to 1. <sighs> like, it's not like we lost it 10 to 1. And Florida was just playing, like, sound defense. And they're like, we're just going to focus on defense tonight. No, they still gave up a couple goals. And they were running up and down the ice. Uh, Mike, I, I just – they there's so many things that went wrong. I mean, you, you actually – you also had the quote from Franz Nielsen, too, that I thought wrapped the bow on this. Is you Analytically, you can take a look at that and say, yep, Jeff, let the reins go. He said, boys, try and catch up. The takeaways, uh, you know, like I said, we lost 10 to 1, and then Nielsen put uh, put the cherry on top. Now, I, I'm not going to – we know where he's at talent-wise, but truth-wise, honesty-wise, in a post-game <laughs> uh, press conference thingy uh, – they're not press conferences anymore. Nice post-game Zoom meeting. He said, yeah. we lost every single one-on-one -on -one battle. Yeah. So like this I, uh, is why we do low event games. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a that's a fantastic point. Um, I I I, I kind of think of it, uh, you know, hashtag hungry hungry hippos. But um, the other thing that it kind of reminds me of is it's kind of like don't think of like a fight pit when I'm when I bring up these two dogs, but just so you kind of have that kind of shaped arena, right? So if we had a fight pit and the Panthers were like a Doberman and the Red Wings are a pug and they filled it with blueberries, right? If we just we're just in a little round fight pit, you know, the pug has a fighting chance to gobble up more blueberries than the Doberman. But if they also threw in a hundred yard dash and there's blueberries to scoop up all along that dash, pug's got no chance. All right, the Doberman's gonna be running down like a, you know, like a Pac-Man, and the little you know poor pug's gonna get confused, probably bump into the bumpers. You know, it's not gonna work out. So uh, basically, God forbid he sneezes because one of those eyeballs is going to go in that pile of blueberries, and, and then the blueberries are going to come out of the eye hole. Like it's just <laughs> all that effort's going to be gone. So, um, so you know, you had a real statistical, you know, uh, dissection, and for people who didn't quite understand it, I tried to break it down blueberry dog style. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I mean, still, like, long story short, we got lunched. But I, I at least wanted to, like, there had to be a reason to it. There was a difference than just, like, things didn't work out. And uh, it, it was it was reported, too. Um, so we did, we found out after the game. Let me uh, cue this up. And here. I want to, while you're queuing that up, I have a question for you. So yeah. when it uh, when the tide really started to turn and the Doberman was going down the uh, the dirt alley eating up all the blueberries, did Blackshell actually give the green light, or were the boys on the bench like Jeff, turn us loose? And Jeff said, <laughs> "You know what? Fuck it." Well, I 
I, I do think part of it, I'm I'm pretty sad right now. I think uh I lost my blog from last night. <laughs> I'm uh I'm super bumming right now. Uh I just realized it's gone. Um, oh man, control S. What happened? I I don't know. I I was gonna bring up some more points from it, but I guess uh I guess yeah, I guess I can't. Um so what I wanted to say was that um it was the last of the masseuse and it was Chica that uh, I wanted to bring up here. And I had like some numbers and some little poetic ditties that went along with it. And mm -hmm. you know what? They're gone. Uh, but I did want to throw in there initially, like what I, I actually spoke with, with Jesse when we were talking about doing a recap of this game. I said, well, you know what? Let's not do anything really because it uh, it could be that they found out this news about uh, their masseuse, Chica, who'd been with the team for 20 years, had passed, and that could really do damage. But I, just for the sake of this analysis meaning something, <clears throat> we did want to mention, too, that they did find out after the game. So whatever went on during the game, based on the report from uh, Helene St. James, they found out about the Chica stuff after the game. So they get lunch, then they go in the locker room and find out. Um, I, you know, by all accounts, uh, a wonderful human being, uh, because he's just, <laughs> people are coming out of the woodworks to, to say, uh, good things. And, uh, you know, I guess on, on behalf of the, uh, Red Wings rant, I almost said the Detroit Red Wings, on behalf of Red Wings rant, uh, I, I, I think we could all agree that we, uh, we weren't going to give enough credit to Chica and what he, what he'd been able to do for this, uh, team because, we, I mean, I didn't know his name until until he had passed, but he'd been around for quite a bit of success. And uh, like we saw with Draper and Osgood and Nicholas Lidstrom, you know, he he meant a lot, and especially uh, it, it cut Blashill to the core as well. But uh, you know, we bring that up. Uh, our thoughts are with uh, Chica's family. Um, but yeah, I guess just to give that a little extra, I don't I don't know. I guess. There, there could still be that that argument because I still saw it on Twitter the next day. But again, according to the report, they found out about his passing after the game. So we do think there's a little bit more credence to this uh, letting the team go, like releasing the reins uh, at some point during the game. And that's why it got so far out of hand. Hmm. All right. I'm glad I brought that up. It feels awkward. It feels like uh, I put uh, I put some. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's definitely part the... of. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, a big part of the team and. Uh, he really made an impact on, you know, a lot of the players' lives, uh, you know, not just with the longevity, but his positivity. And um, he definitely had a, a passion. It looks like uh, one of his favorite things was uh, being in the hot tub with a cold beer. And as somebody who's actually done that, um, the guy has good taste, too. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of sad news. And at least um, – with his passing, you know, he's leaving uh, uh, a positive influence. So it, you know, means he's doing something right. So I, I did. I, I'm glad you said that because I did find that was one of my my little did my little ditties. So it was it was game two. If we we start to make the pivot, right? So let's. Yeah. Grice also had a terrible game. If uh, that, that was something we didn't bring up about game one, um, his his expected goals against was one point two, and he gave up four. That's a obviously a little bit more than you want to see. Uh, and that was only in one period. Uh, so, yeah, not great. But I, I look at it as like Grice has been given so much to do uh, so far in this first third of the season. Are we at first third? What? How many games have we played? Twenty or sixty? Yeah, just about. Like first, 
first third of the season, like you can't you can't blame him. And and the law of averages has to catch up with a goaltender who's been playing his nuts off. So Grice had a bad game, but you know what? He's gonna come back, give us a good one. Uh but we move into game two, Mike, and I, I said, um, surely the win the wings earned Saturday night could be attributed uh, attributed to the same level of heart and care it was said Chica brought and provided to the Red Wings for 20 seasons. Uh, and I, I brought up the heart and care scene in the celebration of uh, Bromay's first effing goal. Woo! Finally, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the... Brome scored, and uh, Mickey Redman brought it up uh, during <laughs> during the broadcast. Brome was so excited. He nearly just did a lap around the rink, but Larkin grabbed him <laughs> by the jersey and said, no, we're celebrating right here, man. And, man, I I, I scared the crap out of my daughter. Uh, she was actually so, – so this is this is like a, a late matinee game. And uh, she's settling down for the night when this when this puck goes in. So she's starting to yeah. wind down and put her putting her PJs on. And I, Mike, I have not yelled that loud this entire season. <laughs> I have not been this excited at, in, in wins, uh, even when uh, we won in overtime, uh, when Larkin was spanking Bertuzzi with the stick and all that fun stuff. But no, Romy scores, Mike. I just. Utter jubilation in uh, in the household that Addie built. Um, but yeah, she, <laughs> she nearly jumped out of my wife's arms while she was trying to like wind down for the night. That that was something that uh, she's gonna have to get used to because the the Red Wings are only gonna trend up. So more wins, more goals coming. But um, yeah. yeah, I uh, Mike, I, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, that looked like a goal that could turn so many different things around. And I, I'm gonna try and pull it up here while we're yeah, I uh. Cause it's funny. I was, uh, I was in the car when that goal went in. And, uh, so I got to hear the other side. I got to hear, uh, Ken Cal, who we're going to actually hear from the man in a moment, but, and, uh, play going across the sky. Robin scores! Gosh, he's been snake bit for the whole season. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> he was like Kermit the Frogging. He was so excited like that. Yay! Um, and Paul Woods was also, you know, they were both just, oh yeah, you're totally right there. And it's just felt like nothing's been going in for the kid and he's been working so hard and, Got to feel nice to finally get that one in there, right, Ken? And they were both yeah. like high fiving on the broadcast booth, so it was <laughs> it was definitely uh, a celebration, you know, kind of kind of felt across um, TV and radio. So I was I was pretty pumped too. Um, and we can only share yeah, they, that highlight for so long, but you you could see like this was all about what Brome said after the game. Like he said. Hey, Mike, he's, this Bromey said it. He said, uh, it's uh, it's all about coaching. Coaching, you know, he gets to the front of the net, <laughs> right? He said that that's what our plan is. So Larkin with another great play. I, I'd say, Mike, this entire game, Larkin's ragging the puck, using his speed to create scoring chances and to create secondary scoring chances because he's getting out away from the defenders and making space so that he can put the puck where he wants to put it. He's not putting it where the defenders are allowing him. That is where Dylan Larkin is mega dangerous. And then Brobe, because of coaching, and Mike, maybe because of development, goes to the front of the net, gets the rebound goal, bingo, bango, Mike, uh, gets the game winner in his first goal. And, Mike, could you imagine? I, I know Bobrovsky's definitely come down the last couple of years for Florida after he, uh, oh, man, geez, signs a $10 million contract, and he's like, yeah, I'm good. Um uh, but still, could you imagine game-winning goal on your your first goal 
Your assist is from the captain, Dylan Larkin, and you get to tell your kids I scored on Sergei Bobrovsky for my first goal. I, I think this this is a pretty nice story for Bromley. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it was uh, it was you know uh, I think the commentary team was saying that that's one of our best periods. I think we've played all season. Um, and it was just, you know, a, a second period against Florida Panthers who've, you know, been dominating the league and we know the Panthers hate us. Uh, <laughs> I think they really, uh, you know, are going to have a, a, a printout of Jonathan Bernier because of all the amazing saves that guy had <laughs> last night. Um, and I, I think they're going to be circling <laughs> the schedule to get some revenge on John. Um, I, they were furious, even especially after that second goal. Um, Ken Kell, I heard him gulp on the radio. Oh, boy, here comes another rush for Florida. They're coming in hot. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ. Here they come. Oh, Bernie with another save. Oh, another save. Another save. <laughs> Wish that one would go flying up in the stands because he needs a break. And it was just, he's getting bombarded. Uh, the, the Panthers were furious that the Red Wings had the audacity to limit the uh, Panthers to less than a touchdown. Um, and it was just John standing on his head. So uh, a lot of credit to Bernier. <laughs> I'm excited for Brome, but man, um, I, it kind of feels like uh, um, Bernier is—he's he, such a like a, a unheralded hero uh, after last year when we kind of tongue in cheek, but you know, statistically we looked at you know who he was working with, you know the the man to your left and the man on your right are not very good defensemen. Uh, buckle in, John. Um, we, we made a case for him to be an MVP. Um, and then, you know, the Red Wings go out and, hey, we got a starter. We got Thomas Grice. And Bernier's like, you got a, you got a, you got a starter over the MVP? Really? So, hello? You know, and right. so he, he just comes out and, you know, he, he puts out another good effort, uh, limiting the, the Panther offense, the one goal. So it was, uh, inspiring well, stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I looked at it as, uh, you know, his expected goals against was getting near three. And then uh, this was, Mike, this was a five-on-five five shutout. I'm going to call it that because that, that's our game. That's what we need. Uh, <laughs> our special team sucks. Uh, so it's not always our goaltender's fault. You can't I expect like, them to go 100%. You're 1,000% right. I just It does feel like uh, like a peewee hockey dry erase board. Now, listen, guys, we got a five-on-five five shutout. Yeah. How about that? Now, they did score eight on the power play, but five on five, there's nothing up there. All right. Do you think Do you think there's a little bit of Bernier that's upset that Brome, like, got that first goal on the night that he did a 38 save, one goal performance? Like, he still got the first star, but I, I still feel yeah. like all the tweets this morning from Red Wings fans and even from the Detroit Red Wings account are all focused on Brome getting that goal. Uh, when Bernier just, I mean, why did we win this game? It's because no. Bernier kept it close the entire time. Uh, yeah. this is one of the rare, rare times where rare times that we, uh, that we only got the expected goals for one period, like winning that battle. Yeah. And, uh, the Panthers just absolutely launched us in that third period. So even though Brome gets that goal, <laughs> we went two to one, um, and the, the chances were off Florida. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It pretty much looked like if Larkin wasn't out there, we were struggling to uh, to get a good hearty chance. Yeah. Uh, but all that being said, we know it's it's. Uh, I said Bern Yay turns into Burn Yay. 
so, so yeah, I mean, this 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 is good for Grice that Bernier had such a good game. I, I'd hope that we're getting a couple of days here. Maybe give Grice another sit, let Bernier play the next game since he's looking hot, and uh, go from there. I this whole season, I I don't know if we want to look too much into anything. But that that seems like at least safe enough, easy enough uh, to to give Grice some some more rest because he, he he was asked to probably do too much or more than uh, any part of that discussion with Steve Eisman when he came in. Um, I, I think it was supposed to be a 50-50 split, but Grice was playing his nuts off, Bernier's out, and now it's just you know what this this will be this team. This will be how the goaltending works for this team. I think it'll just be. It's Mike, it's like a relationship. You know, when when one person is more in love with the other person, right now we're just more in love with how Bernier's playing, and we're gonna give Grice, you know, we're gonna let him sit on the back burner a little bit. Um, how about one more thing? <laughs> one yeah, more thing I- <laughs> easy to do after last night. Uh really proud to have him on the, on the squad. Uh, what were we gonna bring up? Well, I was gonna say last thing here, and then we'll uh, we'll do uh, our games and we'll do our giveaway uh, if anybody's watching for that. Uh, but <clears throat> Darren Hell, Mike, he actually had a pretty good game as he was the guy he that sure Brome scored. Uh, Helm was the guy that was kind of in that Brome uh, role uh, while Larkin was on the ice, uh, but led in individual Corsi four uh, attempts. So that you know, if for anybody that hasn't been along for the ride for the entire show, those those coursey fours mean that you're throwing the puck at the net. It doesn't necessarily mean it was a shot on goal, but you're trying to create some create some offense with your possession. And we also call that measuring possession because it's better than just holding onto the, the puck. You're actually throwing it at the net. Uh, also, Mike, led the team in individual expected goals. Uh, now, we know Helm wasn't successful, but it's pretty hard to lead the team in, in expected goals. You, you have to get... Up in front of the net, you've got to be getting those secondary scoring chances. And when that happens, Mike, you're taking a lot of sticks to the face. Uh, his <laughs> uh, he also laid out, Mike, did a fantastic job laying out Gudis, who who's going to need to take some more blows uh, as we wrap up uh, the season series with uh, the Panthers in the next go-around. But uh, since the NHL player safety isn't doing anything, it's good to see Helm was throwing his elbows around. And uh, Mike also led the team in individual high-danger scoring chances. So that's kind of how you buckle together the uh, expected goals uh, being so high. Uh, one hit, that'd be that one on Gudis. Uh, five shots, so it's different from the Corsi for. Um, I mean, Mike, these are all things that Helm led the team in. Yeah, He doesn't have a ton of talent. We know that. But he's got a lot of gumption. You know, he's, he's a high-effort guy. And when those numbers aren't there, you kind of ask, What's Helm doing out there? Uh, but yeah, he, he gets a first line uh, opportunity with Mantha and Larkin. And last night, it just possession wise paid off. Expected goals wise, it paid off uh, at least from, I mean, from that analytics perspective, you're, you're kind of making the argument that if they're not doing that, then the Florida Panthers are getting more shots on net, right? So there's yeah. that. Now, are we going to score with Darren Helm on the first line? No, but we certainly prevented them from putting some stuff on that. Uh, so, little victories. That's how you win 2-1 to one against the best team in the Discover Central Division. Okay. Well, I was going to say real quick, too, uh, I wanted to throw credit oh, to one more, of, one more of our boys. Um, you know, Helm got to play with uh, Larkin, and, you know, he saw that it really made a big impact. So, the, I just wanted to let you know, the obviously, this player I'm going to name had another fantastic uh, – night uh taking face-offs um he's one of the best in the league 
Incredibly, we just have this guy. He's just he's just there. Um, for ice time, obviously Larkin and Mantha one two. Helm being on the coattails with um, Larkin makes sense. But Matt, right after that, my boy, the hero, Mr. Electricity, Luke Blendenny. <laughs> 1743, Matt. He's he's uh, he's basically getting defenseman minutes. He's he's rocking and rolling. I'm I'm glad he's getting some recognition. Um oh, I want my I, man. I want my man on the PP and the PK. I want him on five on five. I want him on five on three. I want him on three on five. I want him in every situation. Glenn, thank you, buddy, for winning all those face-offs. It it warms my heart. Anyway, uh anyway, we can move on. I just wanted to talk about my crush on Luke Lindenny. Oh, the human face-off machine. I, I, yeah. There was he had an assist, too. Somebody... He had an assist, which, you know, he, he's like, uh, you know, I get a point here and there. That's not really me. I'm not that guy. You know, I'm a face-off It's, all, it's guy. about making sure you guys get the puck. That's why I win these yeah. face-offs. Now, look, I, I, I already <laughs> you guys. brought that up. <laughs> I, I saw mentioned uh, Greg Krupa brought up uh, Glenn Denning's face-off percentage. Um, mm -hmm. There's a response to his... His tweet about how unimportant faceoffs are, and oh, okay. I, I I I jumped on that, and I, I said like like the the correlation that this person made was we lose, so faceoffs aren't important. <sighs> the whole idea of this team is limiting events, and you limit those events by controlling the puck. You control the puck by winning that initial faceoff. Yeah, that this team can't win without those faceoff wins. That like that's the correlation you make. Like you you should be saying if we didn't win these faceoffs, these would be absolute blowouts. <laughs> okay. Like keep <laughs> in mind too, like even Fabry's faceoff percentage is up. And I think I think they said he's uh yesterday was around 60%. Yeah. Um I mean that I, I'm sorry. Uh I will die on the hill that faceoffs. I mean, th th this is as easy as like winning the the offensive line defensive line battle in football like that that's that's the long and short of it if you can't win a faceoff you're starting at a deficit every puck possession don't guys don't poo poo the faceoff percentage don't look at it as we win the faceoff percentage and we still lose the game talent wise that's where we're at we will lose most games think about it as this could be so much worse if we were not winning the faceoffs. Um, it, it's it's tough to say, like you know, we're not we're not in that position right now to just draw a line to correlate, you know, faceoffs won and faceoffs lost. Uh, but we can look at, you know, like um, I guess I was going to say, like the expected goals and just kind of say who's who's allowing more expected goals when we already won the faceoff. Like we don't know what's going to happen, but we can. This is where I was going with this. We can take a look at somebody like uh, Athanasius numbers last year, and that that huge uh, negative he had in the in the plus minus category, meaning that he was always starting at that deficit. Um, or I'm sorry, I was going to say a little face off percentage for when his line was out there. So they're always starting in that deficit. We, we're not saying that Athanasius was always the cause of goals against, but that that's one correlation you could make uh, is how bad it could get. When you start off with with a low, uh, you have a low faceoff percentage, or you start off losing that faceoff. So, I'd caution everyone to not necessarily go along with that correlation. That even though we win faceoffs, we still lose. So faceoffs don't matter. I, I will put faceoffs um, top of the list for me. That's how yeah. I roll. 
I mean, we're not a great puck possession team. Uh, that's why we can't score on a power play. <laughs> and the streak continues of, of uh, ineptitude. Um, so, uh, you know, because that's all about puck control, um, you know, setting up a play and, you know, getting the shot that you want. Uh, so I got to think that a team that we're going to limit any kind of you know, scoring chances both for them and, you know, for us, because we're just going to kind of buckle down and play defense. Uh, we got to get the puck somehow. And I think winning that faceoff and seeing Glenn Dennings, uh, you know, uh, uh, positive influence on the team, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, I, you know, he, he's he's one of the stronger defenders um, as a forward. And I, this is an indication of that. I, I It's because they, for the few seconds that we actually control a puck in a 60-minute hockey game... <laughs> Um, I'm going to give credit to it's Luke Lendening stick, getting it back to a red wing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I could kind of see where Krupa's coming from, where well, if you look at he, some Krupa just shared it. It was somebody that replied to him. Uh, okay. Um, cause if you look at the league leaders, there's quite a few red wings up there, but I, I would just dig a little bit deeper. Um, I, I wouldn't just go off, you know, the top of the stat sheet there. Mike, are you ready? To play. Is it time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's what we do. We uh, cherry pick a quote out of context from head coach Jeff Blaschel. It's about uh, usually one of the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, today is uh, kind of an exception, Matt. We're going to go all the way to... Uh, oh, I don't want to say who this person is because I think it'll give it away. But it's about a uh, Red Wing. Matt. And when we read these quotes, it's okay to hear my voice. But it's even more exciting to hear friend of the show, Paul Woods, jump in and read it for us. Matt, are you excited to try and guess this episode's Pokemon? Line it up. All right. Here we go. Hey, everybody. I'm, uh, it's uh, your old buddy here, uh, Paul Woods. A uh, little jealous that uh, Ken Kyle got to be on the show and not me. I was sitting at home just listening to the podcast all jelly. <laughs> So I'm peanut butter and jelly here, but I'm going to help out the show anyway because I'm a good sport. And uh, hopefully I'll be on for a two-hour interview with just Mike and we'll just talk to each other in my voice. Maybe I'll do an impression of Michael and he'll do an impression of me and we'll try and play who's that Pokemon with each other. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon. Sounds very natural when I say it. Here we go. Blank distributes the puck well. His offense is just, I think it's more of a confidence thing than anything. He's starting to feel good in those situations and feeling like he can score. Now. Matt, I'm going to give you an extra piece of context on this one because this quote was a little a little tough. The Red Wings feel blank needs to become more of a scoring threat from the point. And he has put the work in to become one. This is a really hard one. And it's not Jeff Blaschel. That was not Jeff that made that quote, or the answer is it Jeff Blaschel was not part of the answer. He was not part of the quote. So I gave you that context there. The Red Wings felt blank needed to become more of a scoring threat from the point, and he's put in the work to become one. Here's the quote one more time. is read by a friend of the show, Paul Woods. Blank distributes the puck well. His offense is just, I think it's more of a confidence thing than anything. He's starting to feel good in those situations and feeling like he can score. Now, the other clue I'm going to give you when I give you this answer, you're going to be a little, what the f- off you? <laughs> the other clue? That was the other clue. Like, when you hear oh. who it is, when you get it wrong, you're going to be like, oh, come on. 
All right. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to, it's got to be based off of like recent performance. And we saw, we saw Christian juice put one in. So I'm going, I'm going Christian juice on that. Like it, it's, if somebody scored from the point, we've been giving him more power play time. And Mike, I just did, uh, I put out our graph yesterday, a little, uh, I, I looked back at the last four years of power plays for every defenseman in the NHL. And uh, saw that uh, Juice is putting in the effort. He's just not getting the bounces. But, uh, Mike, go ahead and say it. Matthew, you are correct. Matt, you made a compelling case, but you are wrong. All right, get ready to get mad. The Red Wings feel blank needed to become more, more of a scoring threat from the point. And he put the work in to become one. Mo Sider. Mo Sider needed to put even more work to be even more of an not offensive cool. threat as a defenseman. Not cool. Whew. I'm not mad at that quote. I'm not mad at whoever don't, put that. Don't I'm you mad. do it. I'm mad at this guy that I'm oh, Man, the Pokemon oh come as they come. I can't help it. All right. I wanted to put that in there because I was trying to pick a good one, and I was just aghast. I mean – I know the, the Red Wing defensemen have five goals already this year. What a what a motley crew of uh, you know net crashers those guys are. Last night was uh, no exception. We got another defenseman goal. Dolph Ziggler's other brother put in another one. But really, R- Mo Sider, you know, I know you to I know you'd immediately come in and be our best offensive defenseman. But before we call you up, could you could you get it a little better? Could you dominate the Swedish league even more? It's just, it made me mad. And so I wanted to share it with you because I was I was just like, this is ridiculous. He Right now, today, last year, he would have been our best defenseman. This <laughs> year, he might be a top five defenseman. He's he's that exciting a prospect. I'm, I'm pissed. So <clears throat> I'm mad at you because now <laughs> I know I've got, oh. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to pull up elite prospects. And know that the hundred guys that we have <laughs> on the team in the minors and all of our guys that are just around the world developing are now an option for who's they're that all Pokemon. up. They're all on the board. Mate, we're going from the Kanto region, we're going to the Alola region. All the regions are open now. Uh, you can get that's a good reference. I was thinking Thank of Kanto Bite though, the first like the first second that you said it. Remember from uh Oh, well, we just had the big Kanto Pokemon Go celebration yesterday. Uh, we could have got a shiny Mew for $8. Wow. All you had to do was give him $8. <laughs> what a great game. I uh, did not put money down on that. But then when I read God. the aftermath, you could get a shiny Mew. I was like, oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, I think uh, we're just about ready to sail off into the sunset. So I do want to remind everybody. Uh, to find us at bodpodcast.com and brothersdiscussion.com slash Red Wings Rant. And then we're going to jump into our interview with new friend of the show. As he said himself, he's excited to come back on, um, Ken Cal. But before we do that, Mike, we have, and uh, let me grab it right here. Still in its plastic wrap, see? I didn't uh, didn't crack it open like Mike said. Uh, We have the Red Wings... Scarf and gloves headed out. We have a winner picked. I have a graphic up right now. If you guys are watching, our winner. Oh, first Red Wings Red Wings Red Wings. Yeah. Yay! 
Great tag. tag. I, if you're not watching right now, I will reach out. But uh, Tay is our big winner for the giveaway. Uh, I'm sorry for everybody that did attempt to win it, but uh, Mike knows we have a big juicy giveaway coming up next that may or may not be signed by the greatest defenseman of all time. Most so, Oh, sorry. Darian Hatcher. Oh, wait. All right. Keep keep your eyes peeled. Stick to uh, Red Wings rant, and uh, we'll let you guys know in the big giveaway that includes a signature from the greatest defenseman of all time will be our next giveaway. But uh, congratulations to Tay. Uh, glad uh, glad Cole, to have you aboard. <laughs> no, it's Nick uh, Lidstrom. But- with that, uh, Mike, are you uh, are you ready to listen to? I, I would say, Mike, this is my absolute favorite interview so far. For those of you that don't know, um, and I'm not, I can't remember if we actually go into this, but uh, my my old 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 job, uh, I was uh, working with Ken, and that's where we actually met. So Ken is Mike. He is the sweetest guy in the world. Um, we actually talked for two hours after we stopped recording, and um, Mike, I mean, it was just. It was the best time. And I, I told Ken, like, in, at, at the end of the conversation, I said, when my kids bug me and say, Dad, why did you waste 15 years of your life doing podcasting? <laughs> I, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to come back to this conversation and say it, because I got to talk to people like Ken Kelly. my brother. And, oh. uh... Oh. <laughs> but I, uh, I have to say, you know, uh, you guys are really going to enjoy this. Um... We're going to get into uh, Ken's career. Uh, we get into timetables uh, for the Detroit Red Wings, and uh, we, we have some fun. Uh, we have we have uh, my my favorite segments are always the icebreakers and kind of get everybody all juiced up for the rest of the conversation. Uh, all right, let me make sure the audio is being shared. Mike, I want you to stay on board for a minute to make sure the audio is working. <laughs> As we all know, that's been a problem before. But uh, everybody, thanks for listening again. That's uh, BODpodcast.com and brothersofdiscussion.com slash Red Wings Rant to get all those blogs. We are at BOD Hockey on Twitter. And, uh, yep, this is previously recorded, so that's why we're doing the wrap-up now. Uh, So here we go. He is a former outfielder for the Catholic League Division Championship-winning St. Alphonsus, Detroit Lions fan, and most importantly in his 26th year as play-by-play announcer for your Detroit Red Wings. He is Mr. Ken Kell. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I like that outfield thing because um, that was one of the highlights of my career before I got the Red Wing job is to be playing at Old Tiger Stadium. Played there three times, twice for my high school team, once as an American Legion All-Star. So it brought back some really good memories. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I uh, my, my dad actually, uh, he graduated from St. Al's. Uh, there's been a lot of big family moments uh, at St. Al's. There's been uh, weddings. Uh, there's been some funerals. But, um, yeah, I grew up in Dearborn. So it was, uh, it was something for me when I started looking up uh, your, up, you know, your career at St. Al's. Yeah. That was the first thing uh, that popped up. So I was like, yeah, let's throw in some good, uh, good memories in there. You know, we had a lot of we had a lot of great athletes there in Dearborn, and uh, a lot of them went to St. Alphonsus. We were a Class C operation at the time. So we weren't really up with the big boys like Catholic Central and Brother Rice, but you know we won our share of hockey or baseball games. So it was a lot of fun playing for St. Alphonsus, especially um, you know in those months of April, May, and June. Yeah, it's a it's beautiful spot too. Uh, if uh, anybody's had uh, or has the opportunity, I 
I mean, you know, it's not like we're talking European tours of churches, but um, that that St. Hal's is a beautiful building. Uh, highly recommend it again if you have the time. Um, so, Ken, like I said, I wanted to do uh, some icebreaker questions with you. So I, I have three categories here. So you just let me know which one sounds like the most fun. Uh, but I've got pizza, uh, beer, and uh, the Detroit Lions. As, as I already mentioned, huge Detroit Lions fan. We know you are. So uh, any one of those that sounds the most fun? Well, they're all pretty good topics, but I'm going to have to go with the middle one, beer. How's that? All right, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's one of the things we do with our show is we do our hashtag <clears throat> wet the beak for the streak. So what we try to do is bounce around to, uh, some, I, I, I would say local breweries, but I, I'm out in Livingston County, so I can't dabble in too many Detroit breweries, but, um, I, I wanted to put it this way. The season is done. You're looking out on Lake St. Clair. What beer are you toasting the season to? You're, you know, good job for me. Well, I'm an old school kind of guy, and uh, I don't know a lot about craft brewing, and I rely on a guy named Kyle Kujava, who works in our Red Wing Public Relations Department. He knows all everything about craft beer, so if I want to dabble into that, I, I make sure I contact him first. Let's say I go to a restaurant, I'll look at the menu, and I'll say, hey, Kyle, you know, what can you recommend for me? But I'm old school, and uh, growing up in Detroit, my favorite beer has always been Stroh's. Nice. And so if I'm out on the lake on the play-by-play, -play, just enjoying the sunshine in a 90-degree weather day, I'm probably drinking a, a Stroh's or a Stroh's Light. No, that, I mean, that's a perfect pick. That's one that I think always has a spot in my fridge. I am the Michigander with my fridge sitting in, uh, in my garage. That's my, that's my beer fridge. So if I'm going to be listening to the Tigers game, I know if I'm not experimenting with some local craft beer, but, the, you know, there's, there's always the trusty Stroh's in the in the bottom right corner. Well, put it this way. There's never been a beer I didn't like. So if it's <laughs> no. free, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, we've just mentioned uh, that you're a Detroit Lions fan. You were uh, playing baseball in, in Dearborn. And uh, one of the things that you were adamant about uh, when you describe yourself as a play-by-play -play announcer, uh, you come back to the, to the point that you were a fan first. And I think we all hear it, it bleeds through on, uh, I wouldn't say, like you, you've also been adamant to say you, you, you know, you want to be professional. So it's not something where <laughs> you're swearing up a storm if the Red Wings can't get a goal like I am. But um, like you feel the energy when you're calling a game. This, this is me listening to another Red Wings fan. Um, how do you feel that's helped you tell the story? As we mentioned, uh, you're in your 26th season. How do, you, how do you feel that's helped you tell the Red Wings story the last 26 years? Well, I always tell people I have a really good job. I'm just a fan that has a really good job that a lot of people would like to have. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. But I grew up my entire life in Detroit. So I've always been a lifelong Detroiter and you know follower of the Lions, Pistons, Red Wings, and Tigers. And I can remember back in the day when I was in high school, the Red Wings weren't very good. And the generation now up until this point, you know, from 25 years ago or 30 years ago till now, they always made the playoffs. And I think a lot of people got spoiled. You know, you think of the yeah. Red Wings and it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're always making the playoffs. When I was young and the Red Wings were in the 50s, when my dad was watching them, he would tell me the same thing. Hey, they always make the playoffs. But when I grew up and, and I started enjoying Red Wing hockey and I was in high school or I was 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, and then into high school, they weren't very good. So, 
for me as a broadcaster to be able to live through those times and then see everything change with the Illich organization, buying the team and then eventually winning all those Stanley cups. And for someone to say that you would be the one calling those Stanley cup championships, I would have never dreamed about that. So again, very fortunate. Uh, I guess I was in the right place at the right time. Timing's everything in life and uh, certainly been enjoying the ride. Well, I mean, uh, from, from us here at Red Wings, Rand, I mean, we appreciate every word that uh, you've spoken uh, to the point that we used to actually intro our show. I, I don't, I wanted to see how you felt about it um, because it was actually ended up being a hell of a call, but the, <laughs> that 2008, the last uh, 15 seconds that you got there, um, I, I mean, it was a drop on our show because we absolutely love it. I, I know that you were ill at the time, but I just... It's, it's, it's iconic in my head that it's, it's, uh, it's definitely up there, I guess, in my generation of Detroit sports fandom, it's, it's right there with Dan Dickerson calling the, uh, the home run victory for the Tigers. Uh, so I, I sending them to the world series, uh, but this, I mean, this is us winning the Stanley cup host is coming in, you throw out Osgood with the save and we skate off with the cup. Do you, how do you feel about that? Looking back now, do you have fond memories or are you still, is it, is it something like you wish it had just been different? Because I, I, I hold it near and dear to my heart. Well, it's funny what people remember, you know, I mean, it takes a, it takes a guy with laryngitis to come up with a, a call that everyone loves. What does that say about <laughs> you? You know, no, you know what? It was, it was really strange because um, I remember flying to Pittsburgh and uh, after game five in Detroit, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, man, something's not right. I'm just not, I'm not feeling good, you know? And in the morning uh, I lost my voice completely. And here we are, you go through the entire season, you have an opportunity now to win the Stanley cup and you can't talk, you know? So one of the most disappointing calls I had to make was, you know, I, I, I didn't have a voice, but I'm trying to call the program director of the radio station, Jimmy powers. And I'm saying, listen, you got to get somebody else to do the game. Luckily, Ken Daniels, flew in and um, on short notice did a really good job. And, and um, you know, I was happy for him because as a television guy, as you know, you right. never get a chance to call a Stanley cup championship because you're always out in the first round and you end up watching it. So I'm thinking, well, this will be a good thing for him because he'll finally get an opportunity to call a Stanley cup championship. Well, wouldn't you know it? Good thing I rested all day because with, you know, 20, 25 seconds left while Paul Woods was talking he took his headphones off and he's talking to me and he's going, I'm throwing it to you for the last 15 seconds. And we got into this argument and I could <laughs> barely talk and I'm going, I'm going, no, no, you do it. You know, he's all, no, you do it. And we're going back and forth. Finally, he gets on the headset again and he goes, Ken Cal, take it away. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't know what I have left in the tank, but I'm going to do the best I could. And wouldn't you know, what an exciting play at the end, you know, oh where, my gosh where you know so well, it's good to save and the rebound right out in front you know and then time runs out the Red Wings win and you know and and that's the only amount of voice I had left that was it and luckily they didn't tie it and go into overtime <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan Daniels is just walking out of the room you've got this uh I I'll, I'll say too that was an absolute joy for you to throw it out there <laughs> right there too uh for me to hear that I yeah I, I I think for me and why it's so special to me, like that, that was something I, I watched the cup wins uh, in, in 97 and 98 and 2002, but it wasn't until uh, like just 
for me growing up and being a fan until we hit that 2008 Stanley cup where I, I was really, that's where I was diving into numbers. That's where I was looking at our prospects from overseas. That's when I, you know, you, you put on the, uh, the hard hat, but it's red and it's got a wing wheel on the side. And as a fan, you were diving so deep and that, that Stanley cup, I think right now goes down. Um, you know, you, you, you get to see like Nicholas Lidstrom answer that question of which Stanley cup means the most. And they always throw out, ah, they're all different, but for a fan, that one to me is my absolute favorite. And like I said, we couldn't not have it uh, before uh, we found out people were going to listen to our show. Uh, so we had to stop doing the copyrighted audio. <laughs> so we had to cut that from our intro, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, still for a few episodes, uh, everybody got a nice little uh, reminder of the <laughs> 2008 Stanley cup. Well, you know, Matt, what was difficult too is the following year in 2009. I still say that, if we played that game seven, nine out of 10 times, we probably win that hockey game. And it was just so disappointing to fall behind. And the Red Wings almost had a chance to tie it. And, and Lidstrom had a great chance. Fleury made the save. And, you know, it was one of those things where they could have had five Stanley Cups, you know, in, in our yeah. era. And it, it just, um, you know, you go through the whole season and you go through the entire playoff run. And let me tell you, it takes a lot out of you. I, I can't imagine what it takes out of the players, but you go to a game seven everything's on the line and you end up losing and you lose at home to a team that you have a really good rivalry with now and in, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I always say that, uh, you know, I, I think if you played that game over, uh, you know, the Red Wings win that hockey game, but Hey, that's not how it works, you know, and right. since that time now the Red Wings haven't won a Stanley cup. So it's time to get back on track and try to head in that same direction. Yeah. That's actually a great transition. Cause I, uh, I mean, part, part of the thing too, is like, you look at where the Red Wings are at now and I, you know, I would trade to go back to a Stanley cup game seven loss. No problem. Uh, <laughs> even though I've yet to go back and rewatch those games. Cause they're so heartbreaking. I, I would, yeah. Uh, as a fan, you do a lot, but I, I was wondering uh, from your approach. And, and one of the things we like to do on the show is kind of get uh, it's not, it's not just strictly about Red Wings talk, but I like to get your perspective on how, um, you, you as a media person, how, how has your job changed from those Stanley cup years to now? Like what, what do you think is like the biggest thing that's changed like prep wise, or, or just like your, maybe your mindset has changed uh, being in the middle of a rebuild rather than looking at the start of every season going, Hey, we're probably going to win the Stanley cup again. Well, that's a good question. And I can remember when we would do a, um, a yearly, meeting uh, for the Detroit Sports Broadcasters Association, we'd always have Ken Holland in and he would always talk about, all right, well, we're going to win the cup again this year. We got a good chance to win it. And we talked about who we're going to pick up at the trade deadline. And it was nothing about draft choices or anything like that. So for, for 25 years, basically, I, I really didn't, you know, know much about any of the draft choices or anything like that, because chances are, if they were going to make the team, it wasn't going to be for another five or six years, you know, right. and Ken Holland ended up trading a lot of those draft choices just to get players at the trade deadline because we were in a win now situation. So I think the biggest change now is knowing who you drafted, how are they developing? And to be honest with you, you keep an eye on guys like Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider and Joe Valeno and Jonathan Bergeron and, you know, Theodore Niederbach. So, so you, you follow them more and more than I ever did before so that when they do come up to the Red Wings, you know a little bit more about them. Back in the day, it was all about veterans. And it goes back to Scotty Bowman because he, he said, you win with veteran players, you know, not, not so much the young guys. And if you want a whole team of young guys, I can guarantee you one thing, you're not going to win much. So 
you know, it, it, he was all about experience and, and it was just a different, different way of, uh, of where the Red Wings were to now. So yeah, good question. But now I think more, more of the focus is what are we going to do in the future? Who are the players that are going to be Red Wings for a long period of time? And, you know, are these players going to win a Stanley cup one day here in Detroit? Yeah. Cause I mean, part of the, the job that you have is, is such a tough one because you, you are calling the game, but there's also uh, I'm going to, for lack of a better word, use uh, banter, but there, there's the banter between you and Paul that eventually, you know, you're, you're, uh, shoot, we could come back to the fact that you said you're a fan first. I mean, that's what it turns into is a fan conversation discussing the Red Wings. So you've, you've got, you've got to keep those things in mind that I think a lot of Red Wings fans have made the same transition where you, you've gone from who are we going to pick up in that trade deadline? To, oh man, can't wait for two years when Lucas <laughs> Raymond's here. It's, um, I, I did want to follow up that one with um, if what would be uh, or if there's anybody anybody's name that's bouncing around a lot that maybe Red Wings fans aren't putting enough time or effort into into paying attention to from a prospect uh, perspective. Um, someone that's uh, maybe some buzzy kind of name that uh, that's running around internally. No, you know, I don't have really a lot of inside information. And, you know, Steve Eiserman, unfortunately, doesn't invite me to all his meetings, you know, right. especially in this COVID world. And that's one of the things I always tell people. People ask me because they think I have this inside information. And it's like, oh, yeah, I sit in the boardroom all the time, you know, and the first person he asks is me. But no, that's not how it works. In fact, we're so far with this COVID restriction now, like I don't get a chance to talk to the players or the coaches or anything. And the only time I do is on a Zoom call. If if I'm able to do that and things have changed in our radio broadcast where now the host starts doing that and I don't really have much communication with them. So it's really kind of difficult and you have to do your own homework. What I do miss is I do miss um, some information when you run into guys like Chris Draper or one of the scouts like Kirk Malpe or even Steve Eiserman himself. And they might give you a little tidbit about, you know, what they're thinking about a, a certain prospect or what have you. But all I can tell you is there, there are a couple of guys that, that I'm really looking forward to and watching him play. One is Mo Sider. I think I think he's going to be a really terrific defenseman. He he's he's built for the National Hockey League. Now is he going to be, you know, a hundred point guy? No, but but he's going to be a strong, solid defenseman and probably a number one or two guy for years to come. Um, Lucas Raymond's going to be. I think he's a can't miss. I, I really think he's going to come in and he's going to sparkle and fans are really going to fall in love with him he's highly talented he can finish he's a playmaker he's really good and then this Jonathan Berggren who's yeah. a point per game player in Sweden it looks like he's got all the tools too so you know this past series we had with Chicago we were talking Paul and I were talking about Pew Suter and Kurashev and you know it, you know two or three years from now we're going to be talking about Raymond and and maybe Joe Valeno and Berggren and all these other guys you know and and, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about, and it's going to be exciting because they're going to be difference makers on this team as young players. Right. We want to see we want to see Lucas Raymond throw up a hat trick on his first game against the Chicago Blackhawks. That'd be <laughs> I feel, feel pretty good. Um, I'd take one goal right now. That'd right. Be good. <laughs> yeah, after a shutout last night. Um, those are tough. I. I, I know I don't have too much more time. Uh, so my last question, I'm going to skip so, some of the more recent stuff. I, I just want to know, because everyone we've had a, as a guest uh, so far on the podcast, we ask for uh, a timetable of what uh, maybe maybe to kind of build up hope uh, or you could, you know, help us be more realistic with our uh, 
mindset. Now, uh, for our show personally, we said three to four years. We said four to five last year. We're just going to push it up a year and say three to four this year. Uh, I've had, if you've uh, read his work, Ryan Lambert uh, on the show, and he said eight to 12 years. So we've got quite a wide <laughs> spectrum of time. Uh, is, is there anything, you know, I mean, what just this is just you seeing it from a fan perspective like what what do you what do you want to tell when, and you can totally uh skirt by the way if you don't want to if you if it'll get you in trouble at work but no, no i mean i i don't know i i it's going to take time like these these processes don't happen overnight and right the red wings the red wings had a decline after they won their last stanley cup and we're in a situation now where we're starting from the ground floor up and I think this year, even though the Red Wings have struggled and we talked about goal scoring, I, I really believe that, you know, they're a better team this year than they were a year ago. I like the acquisitions on the blue line. I think what Steve is trying to do right here is he's trying to put veterans who know how to play the game, especially on the blue line, guys like Merrill and Stahl and Nemeth and all these guys together so that, so that it gives you an opportunity to win and, and play tight close check in hockey games and then you help out your goaltenders too and we're seeing that right now the wings just have to find a way to win and they have to find a way to score on the power play and they have to try to find a way to score more but you know that takes time and it's it's not going to happen overnight so to give you a timetable i'm thinking within the next couple of years um you know the red wings could be struggling for the next i don't know two three years maybe you know where they don't make the playoffs but what you're going to see is you're going to see these people that I mentioned start coming in and making a big difference on this team. And with that said, if you're able to get a break where a couple of these young players turn out to be really solid superstar players, now you could make the playoffs sooner than expected. So what I'm thinking is it's going to take another couple of years. You're going to have to go through some more growing pains. But in the end, what you're going to see is a team maybe three years down the road with a core group of youngsters to go in with Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin, who are going to be older, and Anthony Mantha. And then all of a sudden now you've got a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning where you're, you've got solid players from age 21 all the way to 28, and, and they're in the primes of their career, and they're going to be solid. And, and the other thing that we, we need, too, is I, I think we need some type of a franchise goaltender. And that's something I think the team is looking at right now. I don't think we have one, but um, right. you know, down the road, I think you're, they're, they're going to try to draft somebody. So that's a long way to answer your question, Matt, but right. I think I would say the window would probably be another two to three years. In my opinion, it could be sooner. I'm hoping it's sooner for the fans, but again, Steve's, he's, he's practicing patience, you know, and he's asking the fans to be patient and it's just going to take time for these youngsters to develop and they don't want to rush their development. And I'll give you an example, just real quick. Look yeah. at, look at Lafreniere. He's got one right. point here. This guy was everybody's number one, first overall pick, but you have to remember he's only 18 years old. Maybe he's 19. I don't know, but it's hard. It really is hard for some guy to come in and be like a Connor McDavid. These guys just aren't out there. So so even Lafreniere, he's going to be a solid player in the years to come, but he's not physically strong enough to compete and play in this National Hockey League and put up the points that I think everyone's expecting of. So it's going to take time with him too. Can you imagine if the Wings got him and, uh, and here we are 17 games into the season, he's got one point? Yeah. What do you think the fans would say? See, that's why, that's why the Red Wing management staff doesn't want to rush players in. 
Like you could have you could have Lucas Raymond in here, but what if he what if he only has one point in 17 or 18 games? Fans are going to be all over him, saying like, "What's going on here?" But that's how fragile it is in the National Hockey League. So you just have to be patient. You have to let them play in all different types of situations. You have to build them up strength-wise. And when they're ready to come in at maybe 20, 21 years old, then they'll be a difference maker in the NHL. But you can't rush their development. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of the stories we've talked about, and it's, it gets kind of silly. But uh, if you've ever seen the film Seabiscuit, um, it, it was the issue. And I, you know, you have to forgive us here. <laughs> we go a long way for a joke. But uh, one of the problems with that horse was that it, it, it went so many years with being forced to lose. So I, I like to your to your point. I, I think there is something that the Red Wings and why we bring up that Sea Biscuit issue is that we want everything to kind of come together at once. Um, and it goes along the lines with possibly waiting, not e- not even getting Lucas Raymond next year. But I, we've hinted at the idea that maybe we do wait two years. Maybe that is the best way to do this. Um, but, but, but can, you hope to see yeah. progress. You know, that's the thing. Right. You, hope, you, you hope that you're just not a last place team for three or four years in a row. You want to you start seeing some progress by bringing in some of the young players. And then, you know, then everything kind of gels together. So, you know, that's the thing, too. Like, even though the team's rebuilding now, mm-hmm. management wants to see this team improve. I mean, they, they don't want to be like they were a year ago. They want they to see improvement. And uh, even if it's just a little bit, you know, they just don't want to stay the same for several years in a row. Oh, yeah. One of the ones that we're really excited for, I, I you know, we don't know if uh, my best guess would be Mark Stahl doesn't uh, stick around next year. But I mean, there, there seems to be an easy slot, especially in regards to size of a cider and for Stahl like that. That sort of even seems like Stetcher came along for the ride and he's playing with Stahl to kind of get uh, some sort of. Uh, speed's not going to be the same because he's going to have somebody that can skate just as quickly with him up and down the ice uh, in regards to Stetcher and Sider. But um, that to me seems like that's where this defense is starting to improve and they're starting to find, you know, not just an identity, but fill in that roster properly. And then the way that guys are going to be slotted out with, you know, careers falling on the back end, contracts expiring, that's where Mo fits in perfectly. And, for, you know, from a PR perspective and from a marketing perspective I think that's the other point of of making sure this team improves a little bit and we slot in these prospects as well because that that jersey's going to come flying off the shelves once we know what number cider's taken you know what Matt I always say too and I, I listen maybe because I always listen to what Paul Woods has to say but I don't like to judge a player until he plays maybe 75 to 100 NHL games because you never know what a player is going to be like. In fact, just today, I'll give you an example. I was talking with Chris Chelios and we were talking about Lafreniere, right? And, uh, you know, I asked Chelly, I go, what was it like when you came in? He goes, my first 13 games, he goes, I was ready to go down to the American League. He goes, I had one point. It was an assist. He goes, but then we were in the playoffs and I scored my first goal in the playoffs. It was against um, Boston. And he goes, from that point on, he goes, my confidence just soared and I was a different player. And, and so that's maybe oh all it takes. But, but if you look at a guy like Chelios, look how long he played. He'll be the first to tell you that it's hard, especially for a defenseman to come in and be a standout Bobby Orr defenseman. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a bad, there's no Bobby Orr's out there. But, but, you know, to be a solid defenseman like that, to really take charge and be the top defenseman in the National Hockey League, it just doesn't happen. So, right. 
you just have to, you know, I don't like judging players right out, you know, like, like, you know, Darlene, look at him in, in Buffalo, you know, everyone says, Oh, he's the real deal. He came in. Well, he's still trying to make his force in the national hockey league, make his way in. And so it just takes a long time for them to develop and fans have to be patient with these players. And if you get a player, that's just going to be super and put a, put up points like crazy then you've got a bonus right there. And, and that's what I think the Red Wings need right now. They need a couple young guys to come in, be surprises, and uh, that'll, that'll up their progress. It really will. Absolutely. I, I, I have to say, you're, you're making me feel better. So when I asked you to help the Red Wings fans feel better, <laughs> I, I feel better now. Uh, we, we, we might come in a little too pessimistic at times, especially last night we recorded right after the Red Wings loss. So that wasn't uh, – you, you don't get your best met. I think right after a loss. Um, uh, but you know what, real quick, just, yeah. just real quick about that, is is don't judge one particular game. I mean, that's what I, I think right. fans like doing that. Like, they'll look at how they played. This is, this is, this, you have to judge this team over time. And, and I look at this team from game one to game 18 now, or 17, and, and I look at this year compared to last year, and I will tell you, they're in more games. They don't fold like they did last year. If it was two to nothing, the game was over. At least now they have a fighting spirit and they're playing better defensively. And Paul and I were talking about, about how they played. They put it together 20 solid periods of hockey. So, so they understand the structure of the game. Now, if their power play comes around, right. and, and it will eventually, and if they can score a few more goals, guess what? These, these losses that you saw last night will be wins. And, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about, you know, six, seven, ten more points in the standings, and it makes a big difference. And the confidence level will really zoom. You know, move up, and you know that's what that's what you have to. You know, don't get so upset about one game. And fans tend to do that. Just look at it, the overall picture, and that's all I can tell you is that look where they're at now, as opposed to last year. And right now, they're playing good, solid hockey. And if they continue to do the good things, they will win some hockey games. Well, with that, Ken, I, I want to let you go. I already held you uh, too long, but um, I, I like honestly have to thank you for your time, but also the words of, of wisdom, because now I'm going to have to like stamp that to my wall right here to make sure I'm a little more responsible with my post-game comments. Um, but Ken, as always, I mean, usually uh, it's funny. My mindset right now is, uh, you know, uh, we have a guest on and I go, plug your, plug your stuff. But we all know where to find you, Ken. Uh, you're going to be continuing to call Red Wings games um, uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for coming on the show. But absolutely, thank you for being uh, the voice of Detroit Red Wings hockey for uh, as long as you have. And we're hoping for so many more years to come. Well, I want one more for the thumb. I've got four rings now, so I have to stick around to get that last one. And I thought maybe we'd have it in 2009. didn't happen. So, you know, I just got to hang around a little more here and hopefully uh, see that come true. But, yeah, it's a pleasure, Matt. Keep up the good work with what you do. And uh, we, we, we want to say that uh, in this COVID situation, it is tough out there. Can't wait for the fans to get back to Little Caesars Arena. They miss the Red Wings like everybody else. And I can't wait till we get back to what normal used to be like so we can have all the fans there and enjoy the Red Wings. And again, uh, keep the faith. They're going in the right direction. It's just going to take a little time, but appreciate being on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ken. You have a good one.